Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Judges chapter 21, the book of Judges chapter 21. We continue our study through the Old Testament. Now, for the past several weeks in our study in the book of Judges, we've seen a whole lot of mess, a whole lot of mess. And remember, you know, it never had to be this way. We've seen the rape, we've seen murder, we've seen war, we've seen bloodshed, and it never had to be this way. But even still, in the aftermath of all this mess, there is still a means by which our people can be right with the Lord. Even with, I mean, we, we, we look at this in the Old Testament, and in the Old Testament, there is a means by which our people can be right with the Lord, according to the law. Now, Today, for you and me today, there is still a whole lot of mess in the world in which we live, in the lives of people, in families, in homes, in churches. There's a whole lot of mess, and there is still a means by which a people can be cleaned up and right with the Lord. Very important. And it is not in the law. It is through the law's fulfillment, and that's Jesus Christ. You see, and you know, remember, it never had to be this way. Just as we read in the Old Testament, I mean, some of these passages that we looked at in Judges, very painful to study, very painful to, to, to study and even mention I mean, some of the behaviors, some of the acts. I don't even like it coming off of my tongue. I don't even like it coming out of my mouth. It's just so painful. But then at the same time, for a people to be right with the Lord. And in the aftermath of this war that we studied last week, in the aftermath of this war, now there still is presented more issues. More issues. And this is where we begin our study in the book of Judges. Judges chapter 21. In verse 1, now the men of Israel had sworn an oath at Mizpah, saying, None of us shall give his daughter to Benjamin as a wife. Now remember, there was bloodshed. The, the, uh, the, 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 there was war, Israel, against the tribe of Benjamin. Remember the, the atrocity that happened by the Benjamites, the, the, the men, the, the Benjamites, the, the rape? And there was the war that we studied last week. And so Israel, in verse 1, they swear an oath saying, Hey, weren't our daughters? No, they're not going to marry a Benjamite. Now, this seems like a harsh oath to make, but we have to remember what has happened. We've seen the rape of the priest's wife. Uh, you know, that was done by the Benjamites. And let's not also forget that she was thrown to the wolves by her own husband. So, you know, we, we could say like, you know, oh, look, the, the, the Benjamites committed this terrible crime. And they did. They actually did. But at the same time, don't forget, it's her own husband that threw her to them. You see? And let's not also forget that the priest's wife was less wife and more concubine. Concubine, a sexual slave to fulfill his sexual passions and desires. More object than friend, more object than love. Let's not forget. You see? And let's not also forget that last week when we look at the war in chapter 20, and I don't want to sound violent in saying this, but in the aftermath of a fight or a scuffle, you're... You're not wanting to pick out curtains with the other party. There's still tension in the air. And so we see this oath that is being sworn. None of us shall give his daughter to Benjamin as a wife, they say in verse 1. 
none of our daughters will marry a Benjamite. Now, also remember, there is rightness with God at this point, and it's reflected in their oath. And remember our study in Leviticus about oaths? Very important. And so we continue in verse 2. Then the people came to the house of God and remained there before God till evening. They lifted up their voices and wept bitterly and said, O Lord God of Israel, why has this come to pass in Israel that today there should be one tribe missing in Israel? Now, remember the war that we looked at last week in chapter 20? The tribe of Benjamin decimated, decimated. I mean, there's a a, a tiny few that's left, but... by and large, decimated. Now, it's good that we see the heart of the people like this that we, in, in, in chapter 21. Because, you know, there's, remember in chapter 20, there's rightness with the Lord where, you know, they, they, they go to fight and then they lose. And then they go to fight and then they take casualties. And then they get right with the Lord in the offerings and sacrifice. And, you know, they seek the Lord and then there's rightness with the Lord. And then here in in chapter 21, you see them where they're in the house of the Lord and they're there until evening and they lifted up their voices, wept bitterly, and then they seek the Lord. Why has this happened that today there should be one tribe missing in Israel? This is a good thing. This is good to see because they're, they're seeking the Lord. This is despite the sorrow that's associated to this particular time, the aftermath of war and the fact that, yes, Benjamin has been decimated. Now, it's of ultra importance. And, you know, if I could kind of specifically say this to my Calvinist friends and Reformed friends, it is absolutely true that God is sovereign. It is absolutely true that he is sovereign. And sometimes it's asked of the sovereign, why did you permit this to happen? Why did you permit that to happen? And in the case of Israel, here in chapter 21, they're doing the exact same thing. Asking the Lord, seeking the Lord and asking why has this come to pass? But let's be real. And I don't want to sound confrontational and saying it like that, but straight up, let's be real. What did God do? What did he do? I mean, for the past several weeks, we've seen mess upon mess and ruin upon ruin. And it is absolutely heartbreaking. But let's be straight up. What did God do? What did he do? We hit the rewind button and we see mess upon mess upon mess as a result of choice upon choice upon choice. Remember the Levite priest? In the town where the crime happened, where he threw his wife to the wolves and where she was raped all night long to the point where she succumbed, her, she died. Gang raped all night long. And then we see the war. We see the the fighting. We see uh, uh, Benjamin is decimated. And, you know, we, we just see mess upon mess upon ruin upon ruin. And, you know, the Levite priest, 
He wanted to go to that town. Remember? After counsel to stay, remember his servant, you know, you know, let's, let's stay in this, let's stay in this town, you know, let's stay in this town with the, the, the Jebusites. Remember, we studied this several chapters ago and the priest, he wanted to go to that town where he just thought that things would be better. And look how things turned out. You say, wait a second, but the priest is Levi. That means he's close to God. You see, it's absolutely true that the Levitical priesthood, they have a job to do as tasked by the Lord. But true service unto the Lord in the sense of aboda, aboda, mishkan, that's a choice. Now, if you're listening for the first time, you're like, what? What is aboda, aboda, mishkan? Go back and listen to our study through Leviticus and you'll understand all about it. Very important. Because yes, we have a priest. Yes, we have a Levite. But the Levitical priesthood, as outlined in Leviticus, in the sense of Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan, that's a choice. That's a choice. Just like today, where you see, okay, look, he's a pastor. He's close to God. Again, Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan. That's a choice. You see? Remember, Jesus is the one who says, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Very important to understand. And not just understand for the sake of knowing the word of God. There's that too, which is a good thing. And don't forget, knowledge is a gift of the spirit. But at the same time, so that we can understand and know the character of our Lord. Old Testament and New Testament. So people ask all the time, why, Lord? I mean, we see it today and we even ask this of the Lord ourselves why lord but then at the same time we look at judges 21 and we see israel and they're asking the exact same thing why lord but then you know what we hit the rewind button and we see a slew of bad choices all the way back to the idolatry of micah remember micah's idolatry and he had a priest too who said nothing about his idolatry and that idolatry of Micah, that began with idolatrous mama, remember? It's the fruit of their own doing. You see? The people, they ask, why, Lord, why, Lord, why, Lord? But when you hit the rewind button and see and understand, you know what's happened? The people are reaping what they themselves have sown. You see, you hit the rewind button even further. I mean, here we are in Judges 21 and they're asking, why, Lord, why, Lord, why, Lord? Which isn't a bad thing to ask. But when you hit the rewind button and you see, you're like, well, wait a second. What's up with the idolatry in Micah's house? How did that happen? How did idolatry spread to the tribe of Dan? It happened through Micah. How did it happen to Micah? It happened with his mom. You see, her idolatrous ways. It's the fruit of their own doing. And then at the same time, you know, that's a rewind button, just several chapters, but you hit the rewind button even further and we see instruction from the Lord unto the people when he says, you shall have no gods before me. 
you shall have no graven images. You see, people like to think of the Bible as one big rule book that puts a cramp on life and lifestyles and takes the fun out of life. And I used to think that myself 25 years ago, give or take a couple years, right? Maybe 26, 24, somewhere around there. But that's the carnal mind. It's the mind of the flesh. It's very true that there are rules found in the Bible, but the Lord gives them to us because God loves us. He loves us. I mean, you take, you take these two laws, you shall have no gods before me. And then the next law, you shall have no graven images. You take those two laws. But then at the same time, you hit the fast forward button from when those laws were given into, you know, the book of Judges. Think of all the things that could have been prevented. You see? Think of all the things that could have been prevented. Now, what about you and me? Oh, the Bible's just a book of instructions. It's got to put a cramp on my lifestyle. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to do that. And yeah, there's, it's true. There are certain things that Christians cannot do. Christians cannot partake in. There are certain things. But at the same time, they, these instructions, they're given to us because, because God loves us. And just as we look at the book of Judges and all the things that could have been avoided, for us, we take the word of God and consider all the things that could have been avoided in our lives. You see? And then when there is intimacy with the Lord, when we do have oneness with Jesus Christ, we can rejoice even further. You know why? Because of all the mess that has been avoided. And we can fall deep and deeper and deeper and deeper in love with the Lord. You see? And in the book of Judges, I mean, for the last several weeks, it's undeniable. We've seen a whole lot of mess. Very difficult subject matters. A whole lot of mess, ruin, and destruction. And that's just in the last several weeks, but you look at the entire book of Judges, even more mess, even more ruin, even more destruction. To the point where Israel is saying here and asking in chapter 21, Why, Lord? Why, Lord? But with this knowledge that you and me have. And don't forget, knowledge is a gift from the Holy Spirit. One of many gifts, not the greatest gift, the greatest gift being love. One of many gifts. We know and understand that it never had to be this way. You see, remember when we started the book of Judges? I mean, we're at the end of the book of Joshua, where Joshua says, choose this day whom you shall serve. And then he says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And then the people say, us too, Joshua, we're on board, Joshua, we will serve the Lord too. And then we turn one little page, you turn the page and what happens? The Lord became forgotten. The Lord became forgotten. Remember Judges chapter 2? I mean, we're at the end of the book of Judges here in 21, but remember chapter 2 of the book of Judges? And in chapter 2, verse 10, if you're listening for the first time, go back and listen to our study through the book of Judges. Very important. But in Judges 2, verse 10, it is written, when all that generation 
had been gathered to their fathers. Now, this is speaking of Joshua and the elders. Remember, leadership matters. Under the leadership of Moses, everything was fine. I mean, there were things that popped up, but they were quickly addressed. Under the leadership of Joshua, everything was fine. There were things that popped up. Remember our study in Joshua chapter 7 with Achan? There were things that popped up, but they were quickly addressed. And Joshua and the elders, that was a beautiful generation, but it's also kind of sad because it was like the final generation of, you know, a leadership when the formula is right in the leaders. It's good for Israel. Just like in the church, when leadership is is good among overseers, it's good for the church because we look at the defunct leaders of Corinth. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 where the separation happens? That, that carnality and those works of the flesh, the, the alcohol, the extortion, and the sex, there was, a, there was a guy in the church who was having sex with his dad's wife. And nobody said anything about it. The overseers, the elders, the pastors, nobody said anything about it. You see, what in the world? Who are those pastors? Who are those shepherds, so-called shepherds? What happened to them? You see? It's very important to understand. And then we look at Peter's writings and we know exactly what happened to them. Go back and listen to our study through 1 Peter and 2 Peter, and you know exactly how those defunct leaders became defunct leaders. You see? And under the leadership of Joshua. You see, leadership matters. Because, you know, you look at the pastors of Corinth, and it's like, wow, who are these guys? But then you look at the leadership, the overseers of Philippi. Beautiful. Beautiful. Corinth is definitely not Philippi. Now, 2 Corinthians, that's getting closer to Philippi. Remember when we study uh, Paul's letters, we liken it to like, you know, grade levels. You know, remember preschool, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade? Very important. If you're listening for the first time, go back and listen to our study through 1 Corinthians all the way to 2 Peter, and you'll understand a whole lot more. Remember, knowledge is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And just as we see what happened to Corinth with the, under the leadership of the defunct with, you know, the works of the flesh and the alcohol and the sex and the extortion. And in Judges chapter 2, verse 10, it is written when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers. This is the, the, the generation of Joshua and the elders. It is written in verse 10, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. You see, a generation when the Lord became forgotten. And in Judges chapter 2, verse 11, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. That's what happens when the Lord becomes forgotten. I mean, what, what can anyone expect when the Lord becomes forgotten? What can anyone expect? This generation, you know, the Joshua and the elders, they die. And then after them, you know, what comes after them is the next generation and they don't know the Lord. 
You see? And it's not just not knowing the Lord. They don't know his works, which he had done for Israel. And as a result of that, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baals. You see, look at what is happening already. Just the breaking of the law. And then in verse 12, and they forsook the Lord. They forsook the Lord, God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods among, um, from, uh, they followed other gods from among the other gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them. Remember uh, the farewell discourse of Moses in our study through the book of Deuteronomy, where old man Moses, he's telling the people, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. He's telling the people, you guys are a special people. You guys are a consecrated people. And when you go into this land of inheritance, there's going to be other peoples there. And he says, you guys are special. You guys are consecrated. You guys are set apart for the Lord. And do not partake of their stuff, of their gods, of their items. Don't partake of their stuff. What happens when the Lord becomes forgotten? You see? Because Moses can say, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Joshua can say, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. The elders can say, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. They made their choice. But the people have to make their choice. And when the Lord became forgotten, you see, they say, don't forget. What happened? They forgot. And as a result, look what happens. They start to partake of these things. You see? Doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Notice, it's not just doing evil. It's doing evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord is there. He sees it. And it's not just the act of doing evil. Now, they're serving the Baals. Forsaking the Lord. And they're bowing down to these gods. You see? And that's in Judges chapter 2. And here we are in Judges 21. And the people are seeking the Lord. And they're saying, why, Lord? Why has this happened? Why is it that, that, uh, that the tribe of Benjamin is no more? Almost no more. There's a small number of survivors. Why is it that Benjamin is decimated? The answer is already there. It's clear. God became forgotten. That's what happened. That's precisely what happened. And when God becomes forgotten, what do you expect? It's just a downward spiral. Remember in Judges 2, just Judges 2. If you're listening for the first time, go back and listen to our study through Judges 2, all of the book of Judges. When the Lord becomes forgotten, what, what's to be expected except mess upon mess upon mess upon mess upon ruin upon ruin upon ruin upon destruction upon destruction upon destruction. What's to be expected? And that's what happens when the Lord becomes forgotten. Remember Jephthah? Very interesting because the people, you know, they were, they were seeking the Lord, which seems like a good thing. But they also had other gods. They also had their idols. 
It's a picture of being lukewarm. Yeah, I go to church. Yeah, I go to church. I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. Come on, let's go see the strippers. Come on, let's go gambling. Let's go to the casino. And let's pray that we can hit it big. You see, there's a disconnect. That's lukewarmness. Having one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And Jesus calls that being lukewarm. And as much as the people are asking, listen, it's beautiful. In Judges 21, it's beautiful that we see a people who are right with the Lord. And they're asking, why, Lord, has this happened? But remember, what did he do? What is it that the Lord did? You see? What is it that the Lord did? When you hit the rewind button, just in the book of Judges alone, you see all these choices, almost like systematically, choice upon choice upon choice, which results in mess upon mess upon mess, which results in ruin upon ruin upon ruin, which results in destruction. You see? And this is sad. I mean, a whole tribe being decimated, 12 tribes of Israel, a whole tribe being decimated? What in the world? How did we get to this point? It's easy to discern with knowledge, which is the gift of the Spirit. You see? And I say this particularly to my Calvinist friends and Reformed theory friends. Because it is absolutely true that God is sovereign. It is absolutely true that God is sovereign. The question is, who among us behaves like it? You see? Who among us acts and behaves and speaks like God is sovereign? You see? I mean, if God is truly sovereign, if God is truly sovereign, we should not see the mess that's in churches today. If people, if Christians believe that God is truly sovereign, we should not see the mess that we see in churches today. We should not see the ruin that we see in churches today. We should not see the destruction that we see in churches today. We should not see pastors who become drug dealers. We should not see elders who molest children. We should not see youth group leaders who are doing their child sex stuff. Pedophilia. If they believe that God is sovereign, we should not see that. Does that mean God is not sovereign? No way. No way. Because he really is. He truly is. As surely as he lives, he is sovereign. So what happened? They forgot the Lord. You see? They know not the Lord. Mess upon mess upon mess. When you see mess, when you see mess in whatever degree, I mean, sometimes it could be something little, sometimes it could be something big to the point where it leads to ruin and destruction. But whenever you see mess, understand, in one degree or another, the Lord has become forgotten. 
just like we see in the book of Judges. You see? The people can ask, why? Why, Lord? Why, Lord? But it's already there. You see? And it's the exact same today to the T. Exactly the same. We are in a generation that does not know the Lord. You see? And they go to church. Sure, we have pastors. Sure, we have elders. Sure, we have teachers. Exactly like we have in Judges. We got the priests. We got Kohanim. We got the Levitical priesthood. Sure. But where in the world is Aboda Aboda Mishkan? Where are the Ehuds of our generation? Where are the Debras of our generation? The Jephthahs of our generation? Where are the Jephthahs daughters of our generation? Where are they? That's what I want to know. You see? And to the remnant of our generation today, to the remnant of our generation, I'm calling you out. In a good way, not in a bad way. I'm calling you out to stand firm in the Lord and be immovable. Be immovable. Because we are in a generation where the Lord has become forgotten. But as for you, remember the Lord. Remember Him, honor Him, glorify Him, and praise Him. See? And in the case of Israel here in Judges 21, they seek the Lord asking, Why, Lord? Why, Lord? Why, Lord? And in verse 4, it is written, this is Judges 21, verse 4. So it was on the next morning that the people rose early and built an altar there and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Remember, at this juncture, there is rightness with the Lord. At this particular juncture in Judges 21, it started in chapter 20. There is rightness with the Lord, and it's reflected in behavior. Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin, is on the brink of being obliterated, erased. And in verse 5, the children of Israel said, Who is there among all the tribes of Israel who did not come, who did not come up with the assembly of the Lord? For they had made a great oath concerning anyone who had not come up to the Lord at Mizpah, saying, He shall surely be put to death. And the children of Israel grieved for Benjamin their brother and said, One tribe is cut off from Israel today. One tribe is cut off from Israel. And so they're asking, you know, like, why did this happen, Lord? Why did this happen? And so they build an altar and they offer their burnt offerings, their peace offerings. And then they start to figure out, well, you know, who didn't come up to the assembly of the Lord? You know, before, before the war, like who, 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 who was it that didn't join us in the, in the fight, in the war? Remember Judges 20, in Judges 20, there was the war against Benjamin. And who is it that didn't join us in this fight? And then verse 5, whoever it was shall surely be put to death. And so in verse 7, we see, or in verse 6, And the children of Israel grieved for Benjamin their brother and said, One tribe is cut off from Israel today. What shall we do for wives for those who remain, seeing 
we have sworn by the Lord that we will not give them our daughters as wives. We will not give them our daughters as wives. And in verse 8, and they said, What one is there from the tribes of Israel who did not come up to Mizpah to the Lord? And in fact, no one had come up to the camp from Jabesh Gilead to the assembly. Jabesh Gilead. We see in verse 9, For when the people were counted, indeed, not one of the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead was there. So before the war with Benjamin, what we studied last week in chapter 20, they took a count. They took a numbering. And Jabesh Gilead was not present. And their oath was death to the dissenters of war. We're going to war. Everybody's going to war. It's a time for war. And at the same time, it's like, okay, who's not here? Who's not joining us in the fight? Remember when uh, the, the people asked Moses, they're like, hey, Moses, can we, can, can we stay here? We're going to stay here. We're, you know, on, on this side of the water, on this side of the Jordan, we're going to stay here. And, you know, and Moses prayed and, you know, he comes back and says, okay, you know, this can be your land. But at the same time, this isn't a way for you to get out of the fight. No, this can be your inheritance, but it's after the fight. Because we're going to cross over into the Jordan. See? Moses himself being restricted from crossing over. But what happened? Joshua was the next leader. This isn't a way for you to get out of the fight. And in the case here in Judges 21, Jabesh Gilead, they got out of the fight. They weren't there. And the oath of Israel, they just straight up said, okay, they don't want to join us for war. Okay, they're going to die. Death to the dissenters of war. Jabesh Gilead doesn't want to be, okay, they're going to die. And so look what happens here in, in, in verse 10. So the, now, just a, a little uh, disclaimer here. It's not like, okay, so they're going to die. Like, you know, like that's said or taken lightly. But remember the rules of engagement of the old covenant. Very important to understand the rules of engagement of the old covenant covenant where you know life for life you know where you know uh, uh, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth this is old covenant but as new covenant believers remember jesus says you have heard it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth but i say to you you see new rules of engagement new covenant this is the blood of the new covenant same commander the commander of the armies of heaven, capital C, because it's Jesus. Same commander. And so when we speak of rules of engagement, we think of like, you know, think of like, you know, uh, if you and me were in a, in a, in a military unit and we're going to go fight in a theater of combat and it's intense and we have a commander who gives us the rules of engagement and it's hot and heavy. It's thick combat. And we're going to go in and fight. Now, we under the same leadership, we have our commander, except now there's like a, a hurricane on an island. And now it's humanitarian. We have the same commander. 
announce humanitarian. We're not going to go in, you know, guns blazing. We're going to go in with food, with water. We're going to go in, you know, with, you know, medical supplies, providing medical care. We're going to, you know, people whose homes have been destroyed. We're going to put up like makeshift shelters and help them, give them food. We're gonna, it's humanitarian. Same commander. Different rules of engagement for that particular theater of war. A lot of times, Christians don't understand this. Christians don't understand this because they have defunct teachers who also don't understand, who have no business being teachers. Remember, Brother James says, let not many be teachers. What happened? Today we got teachers everywhere, so-called teachers. What happened? And so Christians today, they say, well, I don't like to read the Old Testament because it's too hardcore. I don't like to read the Old Testament because there's, there's, there's too, much, too, too, too much destruction in the Old Testament. Listen, God never changes. God never changes. We're in an age of grace right now, but the Lord has never changed. Judgment is still coming. Destruction is still coming. It just so happens we spoke on this on Sunday. Get in the ark, remember? Our study through Peter. Go back and listen to our study through Peter. It's very important. So when Israel here, when they say their oath, okay, you know, death to the dissenters of war, it's very important to remember that we're under the rules of engagement of the old covenant. And there are rules for not just combat and fighting, remember, lead with peace. But at the same time, there's rules for judgment. Let's not forget, I mean, it's like, you know, Benjamin, they did a great crime. They committed a great, great, great crime where the wages of sin is death. You see? Now today, the wages of sin is still death. The wages of sin is still death. Except no one is qualified to cast stones. No one. That's hypocrisy. No one can cast any stone. And the one who is qualified to cast a stone doesn't. And that's Jesus. He's the only one who's qualified to cast a stone. And he doesn't. Now, it's not to say that he doesn't forever. He doesn't for now. Because when he returns, he's not coming back as a lamb. He's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's judgment. You see? So in the rules of engagement of the old covenant, there's death to these dissenters of war. That's the oath that they swore. And in verse 10 here in Judges 21, we see, so the congregation sent out 12,000, 12,000 of their most valiant men. 12,000. And commanded them saying, go and strike the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead with the edge of the sword including the women and children. Remember, it's very important to understand the covenants. The conduct and rules of engagement within each of the covenants. And if you're listening for the first time and you want more information about that, go and listen to our study through Galatians, Hebrews, and then Leviticus. In that order, Galatians, Hebrews, and Leviticus. And if you've been walking with us for a while, you know. Verse 11, and this is the thing that you shall do. You shall utterly destroy every male and every woman who has known a man intimately 
So every man dies and every woman who is not a virgin dies. And in verse 12, so they found among the inhabitants of, Gabesh, or, uh, of Jabesh Gilead, 400 young virgins who had not known a man intimately. And they brought them to the camp at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan. In verse 13, then the whole congregation sent word to the children of Benjamin who were at the rock of Ramon and announced peace to them. Now, remember last week, our study in chapter 20, in the aftermath of war, Ramon was the hiding spot of the survivors of Benjamin. Benjamin had been obliterated, decimated. They, they won, you know, se- several uh, battles. They won several battles. But then when Israel was right with the Lord, they lo- Benjamin lost. And so the remaining survivors of Benjamin, they were hiding at Ramon in the rocks. In verse 14, so Benjamin came back at that time. So you know, in, in verse 13, they, and Israel announces peace with what's left of Benjamin. And so we see here in verse 14, so Benjamin came back at that time and they gave them the women who had who they had saved alive of the women of Jabesh Gilead, and they had not found enough for them. So there's 600 Benjamite men. Remember our study in last week, we ended and we see how there's 600 Benjamite men. But then of Jabesh Gilead, there's 400 Jabesh Gilead virgins because Jabesh Gilead, they didn't join in the fight, in the war. They didn't, they didn't join in that battle. And so, you know, as a result, you know, it's, they, they go in and, they killed everybody, the men and the women who were not virgins. And the only remaining survivors were 400 virgins of Jabesh Gilead. And then they announced peace to Benjamin. And when they announced peace to Benjamin, Benjamin, they come out of the rocks and they come up and then the, you know, they announce peace. And then it, we have a deficit here. Because there's 400 you know, women and 600 men. And so 200 Benjamites are single. 200 Benjamites, single. And in verse 15, and the people grieved for Benjamin because the Lord had made a void in the tribes of Israel. The Lord had made a void in the tribes of Israel. Now, in a very broad sense, yes, the Lord has made a void in a very, very broad sense. But when you understand the nature and the character of the Lord, Knowing that he is reactionary, yes, there is a void, but then we also understand why there is a void. It's like a, like a parent with a child where, you know, a child isn't grounded for no reason. You see, a child can say, well, I'm grounded for two weeks. And you say, well, why are you grounded for two weeks? The kid says, I don't know. I'm innocent. Okay. So you go to the parent. And then the parent will tell you the reason. And then you understand and you see, well, yeah, the kid's grounded, but the parent's choice to ground was reactionary. It was in response to disobedience. And the kid is grounded, chastisement, because the parent has love for the child. You see? Today, I mean, we see kids that have never been grounded. You know, you see the disobedience. Never been corrected. Never received discipline by parents. 
And then they become adults. And we see it. Ultra-sensitive adults triggered by everything. Never been disciplined by parents. You see? And that's what happens. Remember the Lord? Remember our study in Hebrews? The Lord disciplines and chastises those whom he loves. We see the Lord doing that on individuals. We see the Lord doing that on tribes. We see the Lord doing that on the entirety of Israel. We see the Lord, how he does that with Israel, how he does it with Judah, how he does it with... That's, that's how he works. And he disciplines and chastises those whom he loves. Remember, in Hebrews, if we are without chastisement, we are illegitimate. You see? And so, yes, the Lord made a void here in Israel, but we see why there's a void. It's not just like the kid who says, yeah, I'm grounded. Well, why are you grounded? Well, I don't know. I'm innocent. You see? No, we, we go to the parent and, you know, you understand the nature and character of the parent. And the parent, out of love for the child, chastises and disciplines. And so we understand, okay, this is why he's grounded. This is why she's grounded. We understand why there's a void. And this is very important because in our studies in the Old Testament, not just old, we see it in the new, but we see it a lot in the old where we can understand even deeper and deeper and deeper the nature and character of our Lord. Now, as we look at what is happening in Israel, and it's like, I mean, we read this, we study it, and it's like, wait, 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 like, what? Like, you know, we... We have 600 men of Benjamin, so we're going to go into Jabesh Gilead and, you know, kill all the men and women. We're going to take the virgins. It's like, what is happening? And that's precisely the point. Remember, it never had to be this way. It never had to be this way. You see? And at the same time, it's the same for us. When there's mess upon mess upon mess upon ruin upon ruin upon destruction and more destruction, it never had to be this way. And I've had many conversations with people, people who've been in mess, people who've been in ruin and a state of destruction. And sometimes through no fault of their own. Sometimes it's the fruit of their own doing. Sometimes. It's through no doing of their own. It's by the wickedness of another person. Rape. Molestation. Adults. Who they start to open up and speak about when they were molested as a child. They didn't do anything. They're innocent. And yet as an adult, they feel like they're in a state of destruction and ruin. All the work of wickedness when they were a child. And it wasn't their wickedness. It was the wickedness of who victimized them. You see? And sometimes I have these conversations with people and they say, don't you dare talk to me about Jesus. Don't you dare talk to me about God. Because if God is real and if God loves me, then why did this happen? Listen, I hate that it happened. I hate that it does happen. But it never had to be this way. You see? 
Nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. And for children who've been raped and molested, and not just children, I mean, adults who have been raped. Uh, you know, I don't want to talk, don't talk to me about God, don't talk to me about Jesus, because if he is real, if God is real, and if God is love, then he allowed this to happen, and that's not love, and I reject him. And sometimes it's the Calvinists who tell them, oh yeah, God, God willed this to happen, because he's sovereign, and he will, he made that happen. And these people, don't talk to me about God, don't talk to me about Jesus. Because God allowed this to happen. God made this happen. It's like, wait a second. Who told you God made this happen? Oh, I went to this church and they told me that, you know, I, I went and sought counseling. And the pastor told me, the counselor told me, you know, that, that God made this happen. Then there's that deprogramming. Remember the deprogramming we spoke about on, on Sunday? No, 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 no. You were told wrongly. You were told wrongly. He's Calvinist. He's Reformed. And that's wrong theology. You see? And sometimes I have these conversations with Calvinists. Sometimes the Calvinist pastors. How dare you say it's wrong theology? Your very teachers tell you to take the mark of the beast and you'll still be saved. That's anathema to the Word of God. You see? And sometimes having these conversations with Calvinist pastors, and then they start to reject Calvinism. They start to reject Reformed theology. Because they see, whoa, you know, they start to see the error of their brand of theology. That's a good thing. When people leave Reformed theology, when people leave Calvinism. Oh, but our church is going to shut down. Our church is good. Good. Who is there who will shut the doors? Remember our study through the minor prophets? You see? And if you're a victim of rape, incest, molestation, you might be an adult and you were raped, but if you were a kid, it is absolutely true that God is sovereign. He didn't want that to happen. He didn't make that happen. You were the victim of someone who forgot the Lord. If they ever knew the Lord. You see? Because non-believers non behave and act in the manner of the non-believer. So they never knew the Lord. And sometimes these egregious acts are done by the believer. Sometimes it's the pastor. It's the elder. They molest the children. They do their rapes. Those are wolves. You see? And the Bible teaches us who to avoid. The Bible teaches us about how to avoid the wolf, how to identify the wolf. The Bible teaches us. Just like these priests here in Judges. Is, yeah, he's Levite. Yeah, he's priest. But look at him with his idolatry. With Micah. Micah and his mom. Look at the idolatry. Okay, we got another priest. We got another, another Levite. Look, he's qualified. Yeah, he's Levite. He's, 
He's got all the, all the credentials, so to speak, according to the flesh. But look, he's doing his sex. He has his sexual passions. You see? Very important to understand this framework of a deeper understanding through the book of Judges. And it's all the aftermath of what happens when God becomes forgotten. And so in verse 16, Then the elders of the congregation said, What shall we do for wives for those who remain since the women of Benjamin have been destroyed? Remember, there's 200 Benjamite men who don't have wives. So what is their course of action? In verse 17, and they said, There must be an inheritance for their survivors of Benjamin that a tribe may not be destroyed from Israel. <clears throat> However, in verse 18, We cannot give them wives from our daughters. For the children of Israel had sworn an oath, saying, Cursed be the one who gives a wife to Benjamin. In verse 19, then they said, In fact, there is a yearly feast of the Lord in Shiloh, which is north of Bethel, on the east side of the highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem and south of Labona. Therefore, in verse 20, they instructed the children of Benjamin, saying, Go, lie in wait in the vineyards and watch. And just when the daughters of Shiloh come out to perform their dances. Now, remember, this is a yearly feast of the Lord. Now, it's very interesting, this annual tradition that we see, an annual feast of the Lord. You know what that tells us? This entire time. With all this mess that we've been studying in Judges, with all this ruin and destruction, all this mess upon mess upon mess, which led to a ruin upon ruin, what happened? They have their annual feast of the Lord. You see? Their annual feast of the Lord. And yet, where could sweet aroma be found? Exactly like today. Exactly like today. We got pastors. We got elders. We have ministry leaders. We have worship teams. And we have people in congregations all around the world. And yet, sweet aroma unto the Lord. Sweet, 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 beautiful, sweet aroma unto the Lord. It is only found within a remnant. Only. So going back to this plan of Israel, the annual feast, the Benjamite men, this is their plan, the Benjamite men, Benjamites, the, 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 the remaining men who don't have wives, they're going to be in hiding. And then when they see the daughters of Shiloh, Shiloh come out to perform their dances, this is where the instruction continues. Then come out of the vineyards and every man catch a wife for himself from the daughters of Shiloh. Then go to the land of Benjamin. Some idea. Some idea. Okay, remainder, remaining men of Benjamin. Okay, you know, so, you know, you see the female and then you take her. Some idea, huh? 
I want to say something to my sisters in Christ. Just so you know, I don't like it when we see things like this. I don't like seeing the women treated this way. Like a commodity, like a slave, like a concubine. It happens through scripture. I don't like it. Just so you know. I mean, if you're listening, you're female. I don't care how young you are, how old you are. And you're just like, what in the world is happening? Hey, I'm on board. I don't like it. And when the Pharisees would ask Jesus about these very things about like, well, you know, what about this? What about that? You know, Jesus, he would point to the beginning. Pointing to the beginning say, hey, from the beginning, it was not so. How many wives did Adam have? One. You see? How many wives did Noah have? One. And Jesus would point to the beginning and say, in the beginning, it was not so. Remember, it never had to be this way. You remember our study in Galatians, the law is the additive. Remember, the law is the additive. Why? Because of transgression. You see? And Jesus would say these things were added because men's hearts were weak. Sometimes I wish I could specifically speak to certain segments of the church. Sometimes pastors only. Sometimes elders only. Sometimes men only. Sometimes kids only. Sometimes teenagers only. But with the females. My beautiful sisters in Christ. Youngest of the young to the oldest of the old. I wish. I wish we could have our own little Bible study. Through the book of Ruth. And Lord willing, we're going to start next week. But I wish we could have like all the females in Christ. Young, old. And studied the book of Ruth. You know why? It's one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. Because there's such beauty in the book of Ruth. Such romance. Such holiness. But in the meantime, we have to deal with this bright idea. Where, you know, the single Benjamite man, you know, you guys, you, you lay in hiding. And then when you see the daughters of Shiloh come out, you take in the meantime, we have to deal with this bright idea. And if you're female, my beautiful sister in Christ, I want you to know if this gives you like, you know, it's like, well, I mean, if the yuck factor is just like off the charts, hey, I'm on board. Remember, it never had to be this way. And Jesus points to the beginning. Remember, the Pharisees tried to trap him. Very important to understand. And I've heard men give, you know, teachings about this. Carnal men, very carnal men, give teachings about this. And I squirm, I squirm, I squirm. And then after that, hey, I'm out of here. I'm not going to submit to that disgusting pastor. He calls himself a pastor, but he's a freak show. He's a carnal freak show. He wants to teach like that. He wants to say like, okay, man, you know, you see this, you like it, you take it. And, you know, God is blessing you with what you like to feast your eyes on. Sick, disgusting, carnal man who calls himself pastor. And just like we say, hey, I jumped ship. This was like, you know, 20 some years ago. Got to jump ship. Do not be led by the fool. 
Do not be led by the carnal. You cannot submit yourself to the carnal. Because the Bible says, submit yourself to the pastor. Why? Because they watch out for your soul. But it's not just run-of-the-mill pastor. Oh, but he went to college. He went to Bible college. He went to seminary. He's got his degree. He did this. He did that. That's nice. Look at Peter. Illiterate. Think about his academic understanding compared to the religious leaders, compared to Alexander or Hymenaeus. Think about his academia. He doesn't have any certificates, but he walked with Jesus. You see? And so notice what happens here in verse 22, this bright idea. Then it shall be when their fathers or their brothers come to us to complain. Now, very interesting what we see. Notice, they knew. They knew that male kin would not like this. They knew that the dads and the brothers, they wouldn't fly for this. And it's not just complaint. Because in the Hebrew, it's to strive and contend. There's ferocity behind it. They're mad. I mean, picture that. I mean, if you're male... Picture that's your daughter that, you know, a guy comes out of the bushes, takes your daughter and then goes to his, goes to his land. You know, say, say somebody does that to your, say somebody does that to your sister. The, 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 the annual uh, feast of the Lord. She comes out, your daughter or your sister comes out, you know, to dance unto the Lord. But then at the same time, the guy jumps out of the bushes, grabs her and takes her to his land. So this isn't just, you know, in, in, in verse 22, when their fathers or their brothers come out to complain. No, there's, there's some major, major issues here. It's very interesting what we see. Notice, it's, it's premeditated. Israel, they know that these guys are going to be mad. And what do they do? They make plans. They make plans to, to help quell that anger, to help mitigate that anger. Notice what's happening here. It's like pre-planning. And it shall be when their fathers or their brothers come to us to complain that we will say to them, be kind to them for our sakes. Because we did not take a wife for any of them in the war, for it is not as though you have given the women to them at this time, making yourselves guilty of your oath. Do you see what's happening? It's like having plausible deniability. Well, you know, or technically, you didn't give the women away. No, no, no. You didn't give them away. No, they were taken. We've given instruction for these Benjamite, these, this remainder of Benjamin to jump out of the bushes. They see, they like, they take. You didn't give them away. No, they were taken. You see what's happening? Not only is it premeditated, but they, they've concocted this idea in order to achieve something in the scope of their interest. It's like having that plausible deniability. 
very interesting what we see. In verse 23, And the children of Benjamin did so. So we, we see in the previous verses that this that, that was the plan. And in verse 23, now they do it. And the children of Benjamin did so. They took enough wives for their number from those who danced whom they caught. They went and returned to their inheritance and they rebuilt the cities and dwelt in them. So you see, everything's fine. Everything's fine. We go back to normal now. Everything's fine. Everything's nice and patched up. And in verse 24, so the children of Israel, so in verse 23, that's Benjamin, everything's fine. They go back to their inheritance. Everybody's got their wife now. Okay, everything's good to go. In verse 24, so the children of Israel departed from there at that time. Every man to his tribe and family, they went out from there. Every man to his, every man to his inheritance, you see. Everything's fine. Back to normal. Verse 23, it's Benjamin. Okay, go get their wives. Okay, let's go back to our land. Okay, they got their wives. In verse 24, now it's Israel. Okay, everything's fine. Everybody, everybody goes back to their inheritance. Back to normal. Everything's fine. But notice. It's not fine. It's not fine. What is deemed to be normal? It's elusive. Why? We get to verse 25. In those days, there were no, in those days, there were no king in Israel. There was no king in Israel. Everyone, 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 everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You see, this is sad. You say verse 21 or chapter 21, you say, well, wait a second. They're right with God. They're right with God. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they started out. In, in chapter 21, it starts out that way. There's rightness with the Lord. But just like our study, remember our study in the book of Acts and Romans and Galatians. Remember the sidesteps in Hebrews? We would mention the sidestep. Sidestep, 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 and then fall. Everyone doing what is right in their own eyes. Where we have this problem, Benjamin, there's no women, okay? We're going to go to war. We're going to kill all these people. We're going to kill the men, the women, except the virgins. We're going to save them. And so now the virgins go to Benjamin. Okay, now the Benjamins have their the Benjamin Benjamites. They have their wives now. Oh, we got two hundred left. Okay, so what's this idea we're gonna do? Hmm. Let's think about this. Well, we made an oath. So hmm. Let's think about this. Okay, we made an oath, so we can't do this. So okay, I got an idea. Benjamite men, you hide in the bushes. And when these women come out and the annual feast day, when these women come out, take them, come out of the bushes. You know, you see, you like, you take, take them. And you see, it's like premeditated. And then the, 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 the dads and the brothers, they're going to be mad. They're going to be like, you know, that's an understatement. Because of their oath, now they want them to have plausible deniability where Technically, technically, you didn't give your daughter. They were taken. But you see what's happening? They're playing games with the Lord. In chapter 20, 
Yes, they remember they go to war, but they lose battle number one. They lose battle number two. And they win the next one only when they're right with the Lord. And so you get to chapter 21. They're right with the Lord and everything's fine. They ask the Lord, Lord, why did this happen? Why did this happen? Well, we don't have to wonder why it happened. The Lord became forgotten. And when the Lord is forgotten, when the Lord becomes forgotten, don't expect good things. Good things don't follow. Never. Okay, so they're right with the Lord. Okay, everything's fine and dandy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Remember, it's not once saved, always saved. It's once saved, stay saved. Every single day, choosing, living a life that chooses to honor the Lord, that chooses to be a sweet aroma unto the Lord. Old Testament and New Testament. Old Testament, New Testament, and still today, every single day, choosing to be a sweet aroma unto the Lord. How does that happen? Obedience, which is better than the fat of rams. You and me, choosing to obey the Lord. You see? Now you understand what is happening in Israel. They're right with the Lord, and then they get this idea. Well, you know, we can't do this, we can't do that, we can't do this. So how are we going to skirt these matters? Okay, technically you didn't give, so what's happening is they took. So okay, we're good there. Benjamin goes back to their inheritance. Israel go back, goes back to their inheritance. Okay, you know, everything's good to go. Everything's fine, back to normal. No, that's not a good thing. When people are doing right in their own eyes, who is doing right in the eyes of the Lord? You see, when we go back to Micah's idolatry and hit the rewind button and see that it started with Mama's idolatry, remember? And then we hit the rewind button with her. How did idolatry start? How did her idolatry start when Micah was just a little tiny boy? Maybe even before Micah was born. How did that happen? Lukewarmness. That's how it happens. We see Israel in chapter 20, when they're right with the Lord, you see them like on fire for the Lord. Chapter 21, we see them at the beginning on fire for the Lord. Everything, hey, it's beautiful. But then they start concocting these ideas. And then you start to see lukewarm. They're not hot anymore. And this is how lukewarmness starts. Having one foot in the world and one foot in the house of God. Having one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Being lukewarm opens the door to idolatry. And idolatry opens the door to apostasy. Apostasy opens the door to judgment. And judgment opens the door to hell. Straight up hell, where there's straight up weeping and gnashing of teeth. Every single one of these doors, they have to be closed. They have to be closed. I wish I could say they need to be locked, but they can't be locked. They can only be closed and stay closed, but they can't be locked. They can be open. You see, 
but a person must choose to keep them closed. The false teachers, false prophets, false brethren, the hirelings, the hypocrites, and the wolves that the Bible teaches us about and warns us against, they want these doors to be open. The door that leads to being lukewarm, the door that leads to idolatry, it's, it's like a hallway with multiple doors. First door is lukewarm. That door, it, it can't be locked. It can be closed and it can stay closed. But it can't be locked. And when a person opens that door and enters, you're going to see the works of the flesh and the fruit of the flesh. Now, when that door is closed and stay, stays closed, you're going to see the fruit of the Spirit. Beautiful, beautiful fruit of the Spirit. That's the remnant. That's the remnant. But when that door opens, you're going to see the fruit of the flesh like we see in Corinth. Lukewarm. You're going to see the works of the flesh. Now, it's the overseers in the church who need, who have a responsibility as tasked by the Lord. True, aboda, aboda, mishkan, to say, hey, get out of there, get back in here, and then close the door. They can't lock the door. A person can choose to go through that door. Now, a person who chooses to go through that door over and over and over and stays in that that next chamber of lukewarmness, you're going to see the works of the flesh and the fruit of the flesh. You will see it. And if you're in a fellowship where you see that, now it points to even more error. There's the error of the person, yes. But there's also the error of the so-called shepherd because they're not shepherding in accordance to the word of God because that door needs to be closed. Always accounting for babies. I mean, what child, what little, a little two-year-old, what two-year-old doesn't open a door? Always accounting for babies. With growth and maturity, through growth and maturity, the person knows, okay, I'm not opening that door. It can't be locked. I wish I could say lock that door, but it can't be locked. You see? And in that next chamber of lukewarmness, there's another door inside of there. And that's straight up idolatry. I wish I could say that door could be locked, but it can't be locked. From the lukewarm, the next door in succession, digression we should say, is idolatry. You see, I wish I could say that door is locked, but it can't be locked. A person chooses. And that's what happens when a person is lukewarm for too long. Lukewarm, it's like, okay, you know, always accounting for babies, which, you know, they're going to become lukewarm because they're babies. And the overseers say, hey, you know, hey, get back in here. Get back in here. Let's close that door. Let's get you cleaned up. And let's teach you. You see, you were lukewarm. You see, you see what happened? You didn't like that. And then you say, okay, well, let's get you cleaned up. And now we learn from those mistakes. That's what a good overseer does. That's what a qualified overseer does. You see it in Paul. You see it in Peter. You see it in Brother James. 
But then at the same time, the next door in that chamber is idolatry. And when that door opens, something else is exposed. Those are people that you don't have to think about separating from them. Those are the ones that you have to separate from. Those are the ones that you must separate from. Why? Because they are leaven. They're no longer lukewarm. They're leaven because they've entered that chamber of idolatry. You see, that's what happened in Corinth. You have saints and they went in that door of lukewarmness. And the problem, they stayed there. No qualified overseers to say, hey, get out of there. Get out of there. Get back here where it's safe. Get back in here where it's nice and safe and where there's love feast. Get back in here. You see? And so you have a bunch of Christians that are in the, this chamber of lukewarmness. Except Chloe. Chloe wasn't in there. And those in her household, they weren't in there. But that's what was happening to the church. And then they went in that next. It, that's not good to, to be luke, lukewarm. That is not good. You say, well, you know, men will be men. Women will be women. So what's, what's wrong with a little sex? What's wrong with a little pornography? What's wrong with a little, you know, uh, Buddha? What's wrong with some chakras? What's wrong with a little Ouija board? No big deal. Listen, it's a big deal. It is no small thing. Jesus is the one who says, Be, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out. That's what Jesus says. In the body and expelled from the body. That's what Jesus says. Because you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out. Lukewarm, not good. That's a door that I wish I could say it's locked, but it's not locked. It can't be locked. But it has to be shut and stay shut. There are churches today, and that door, it's not even closed. It's wide open. And then, you know, inside the, the next door of idolatry, it's not even closed. It's wide open. And when a Christian walks in that door, those are Christians that you must separate from because they're leaven at that point. Very dangerous. You cannot fellowship. This is very important for Christians to understand. Because the Bible absolutely says that fellowship is a beautiful thing. To bear one another's burdens. And yes, it is absolutely beautiful. To have the fellowship of the saints and to bear one another's burdens. But to do that with the idolatrous person? That cannot be done because it is dangerous. A little leaven leavens the bunch. Not a lot of leaven. A little leaven leavens the bunch. You see? And when Chloe and those in her household, they write a letter to Paul. And Paul says, hey, you guys, your rejoicing is not a good thing. You want to come to church and say, praise the Lord, hallelujah? Listen, it's not a good thing. Why? Because of the leaven. Because of idolatry. See, people look at the book of Judges and they're like, well, you know, it's just it's Old Testament, so it doesn't pertain to me. Really? Look at the idolatry of Micah's mom and how it spread to her son. Her son became an adult and they were wealthy. They had influence. 
And look at how that wealth was a tool that helped idolatry spread in the priesthood. Oh, we got a priest. We got a Levite. Yeah, but he's given over to idolatry. Then you look at the next priest. Yeah, but he's a sex head. And you could all this mess, the rape, the murder, the war. And it never had to be this way. You see? You say, well, it's just a book of Judges. I don't have to read it because it's the Old Testament. I'm a person of the New Covenant. I'm in the New Covenant, so I don't have to read the Old Covenant. Really? Brother Paul says these things were written for our admonition, for our warning. The reason why we have an Old Testament to even read from that is captured in the canon of Scripture, it's to warn us. You see? And so you have Christians. Love feast is that beautiful, beautiful inner chamber. That's where it is safe. And that's what qualified overseers and qualified shepherds, they fight, they teach, they pour into, and they'll die for that love feast so that the saints can be safe and fellowship and bear one another's burdens and be a sweet aroma unto the Lord. A bride waiting for her bridegroom, qualified shepherds will fight to that end and even die for that. But the disqualified shepherd, no, they'll leave all these doors open. Oh, look, you want to do your sex? Okay, no big. You want to do your pornography? Oh, we'll just love on you. You want to do your gambling, you want to go to the strippers, you want to go to the prostitutes, you want to do your Ouija board, you want to do your yoga, you want to do your hot yoga, you want to do your Buddha, you want to do Mary, you want to do the, the angels, the Krishnas, the chakras, you want to, oh, no big deal. I know the Bible says that there's healing in the Lord, but you want to get your healing from the CBDs? Okay, go for it. I know that the Bible says, you know, come to the elders for healing. And when we pray, nothing happens. So, hey, here's some ayahuasca. Go ahead and do your ayahuasca. Look, God made it. Magic mushrooms. You see? No power. The Bible says, go to your elders and you'll be healed. People go to their elders, nothing happens. And you have the defunct, powerless, no oil, the defunct. Oh, yeah, you, you want to do CBDs? Okay, go for it. You see? Hypocrites. Such hypocrites. You turn on TBN, Tricking Believers Nightly. You'll see the false, a wide array of false teachers. You know what else you'll see? Their drugs. They sell their drugs now. They sell their drugs for their, you know, CBDs. Oh yeah, get this. It'll help you. You know what that reveals? It's an admission that God is not with them. Because there's healing with the Lord. You see? They can talk about healing all they want. But they make a mockery of the Lord and real healing. You say, whoa, that's too heavy. That's too hardcore. I don't like where you're going with this. Hey, there's no other way to live. I'm just the messenger. Hate me all you want. I'm just the messenger. But that's what the Bible says. You see? And when a Christian enters that door, when a Christian leaves that inner chamber where love feasts, biblical, true love feast, and it is beautiful. 
very rare, very, very rare, even more so in these last days, but it is possible. Formula, formula, formula. Formula in us as believers, formula of the congregation, always accounting for babies. Formula of the overseers, formula of the shepherds. And that's what Satan is afraid of. That's what the demons are afraid of because that's a church where things happen. <laughs> Straight up book of Acts type stuff. That's a church with the gifts of the spirit. Real gifts of the spirit, not a mockery where, you know, 500 people in the church and 500 people are speaking in tongues, in, including the babies, you know, two months old saying Gugu Gaga and they say, oh, look, it's speaking in tongues. No, no, no. They're making a mockery. But in a fellowship, when that door of lukewarmness is open and people enter, brothers and sisters can say, hey, get out of there. Shepherds are responsible for saying, hey, get out of there. But brothers and sisters can do it too. It's not only the job of the pastor. The pastor's responsible too. I mean, he's going to give an account for that. Non-pastors, not going to give an account. Pastors will give an account. Stricter judgment. You see? And inside that chamber of lukewarm, which isn't good, there's the next door, which is idolatry. And that door, I wish I could say that door needs to be locked. I wish I could say that door is locked. But it's not. It can be open. And being lukewarm, instead of repenting and getting right with the Lord, you know what happens? Instead of going back to that inner chamber, you know what happens? People, they walk in that door of idolatry. When that happens, you have to separate because that's leaven. That's the work of leaven. And you'll see it. You'll see the works of the, the flesh. You'll see the fruit of the flesh. You'll see it. And it's disgusting. You'll see it. That's idolatry. And I wish I could say that's it, but that's not it. There's another door. And I wish I could say that door is locked, but it is not locked. The next door after that, in that chamber of idolatry, which by this time, there should be separation. The remnant should separate from that chamber. And those in that chamber, the next door is apostasy. A defection away from the truth. It's not just that... Those in that chamber are, you know, going to, you know, run back to the inner chamber where it is safe, where there's love feast. No, all of a sudden they like it. They like their idols. You see? They like their idols of sex and drugs and alcohol. No, they like it. You see? And going through that door of apostasy, I wish I could say it's locked. That door is closed and it's locked. But no, it's closed. And in that inner chamber of idolatry, a person can open that door, which leads to apostasy. And I wish I could say that's it. But that's not it. Inside that chamber of apostasy, there's another door. 
And that's judgment. Judgment. And I wish I could say, that's it. But there's the final door. And that's hell. Where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Very important to understand. If you're in a fellowship, I don't care about the size. The size is irrelevant. If you're in a fellowship where in that inner chamber, there might be 50 people, there might be 20 people, there might only be two. Do not leave. That is so special. And the Lord sees. Remember our study in Hebrews? The thing, what Peter says, the thing that angels peer into, but then you see angelic activity in these qualified fellowships. These are things that we're going to see in the last days. We're going to see everything at play in the last days. We're going to see it all in play. You're going to see the apostate church. You're going to see the idolatrous church. You're going to see the lukewarm church. And you're going to see a tiny, 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 tiny fellowship. It's called the remnant. And if you're in a fellowship that is not a biblically qualified love feast church, pray and find one. Very rare. And if you don't have one, you don't find one, home fellowship. Judgment comes first to the church. And when you understand these chambers, lukewarm is not a good thing. And I wish I can say these doors can be locked. I wish I could say these doors are locked, but they're not. A person has to choose. Lukewarm you know, the, the, the inner chamber, that's, you know, beautiful. That's love feast. And there's a door on the other end, and that's when people come into Christ. You see? People be, become, they b- believe in Jesus Christ, boom, they're in. They're in that inner chamber. But in that inner chamber, what happens? Now, we have to say in that inner chamber, it has to be qualified. Qualified. I'm terrified for the church today. I've never been more terrified than I am today for the church. And I'll never be more terrified than I am for the church tomorrow and the next day and the next year. Because churches, they're running to that through these doors. They're like, not even like, you know, like peeking in, like wondering, you know, what's going on here. No, they're running to the door of being lukewarm. Oh, you want to do your sex? You want to do your pornography? You want to do your chakras and your gambling? Oh, we're just going to love on you. Where is the qualified shepherd to say, hey, cut it out. Get back in here and love feast. Repent. Let's get you cleaned up. Where are those shepherds? And then inside that chamber, the next door that goes into idolatry. You see? What do you have pastors today saying? Oh, he's addicted to sex. Oh, she's addicted to alcohol. 
She's alcoholic. She's addicted. He's addicted. They do their sex, their drugs. Oh, yeah, we're going to start this ministry and we're just going to love on these addicts. Listen, it's very important to understand the chamber because when there is biblical love for the addict, it's okay. You're an addict. Hey, we're going to the inner chamber. You can be an addict today, but that's over right here, right now. And we're going to that inner chamber where there's love feast. You see? Remember, Jesus says, go and sin no more. You say, well, that's easier said than that. You might be a, like a drug addict. You might be addicted to sex and to alcohol. And you're like, whoa, like this guy, I can't, is this guy for real? He's talking about like that can end right here, right now. Yes. It can end right here, right now. Well, why isn't it happening in my church? Why is it that I go to church and I'm still alcoholic? Why is it that I go to church and I'm still sex head? Why is it that I go to church and I'm still alcoholic? I'm still a drug I still like my, my goofballs. I still like my cooking spoons. Why, why do I go to church? I like doing my lines. What's happening? I'll give you the answer. No power. No power. That's why. And if there's no power, there's no oil. And if there's no oil, there's no light. If there's no light, there's no Christ. If there's no Christ, you're in big trouble. You say, wait a second, we proclaim, the pastor proclaims Jesus Christ all the time. Jesus, the biblical Jesus, he warns us. He says, the last days, there will be many Christs. Many Christs. Many false teachers. You got the wrong one. You see? Because the real Jesus? No, there's definitely power. You see? Very important. When Brother James says, is anyone sick? Go to your elders. Oh, I'm not feeling well. I'm going to go to my my elder. I'm going to go to my pastor. They pray, nothing happens. No power, no oil, no light. You see, is God a liar? No way. His word says, go and pray and there will be healing. Go to the elder, there will be healing. Nothing happens. Does that mean the Bible is fake? No. It means the elder is fake. It means the pastor is fake. I mean, it's no offense, but it's so simple. It's so simple. It's so easy. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He doesn't say, hey, become a Christian and, you know, learn calculus. In order to be a Christian, you got to know calculus. You got to know statistics. No. Look at Peter. I mean, no offense to Peter. (laughs) I can't wait to meet him. I'll probably apologize too. Like, no offense to Peter. (laughs) But he was illiterate. But he walked with Jesus. You see? Very important. If you're, you have your addictions, sex, drugs, alcohol, listen, get a new pastor. Because, I mean, if, I mean, if you became a Christian like last month, you know, that's one thing. But if you've been a Christian for like three years, five years, ten years, and you still have your addictions, no, something's wrong. Yeah, something's wrong in you. But 
Maybe what you know is based on what the, the preacher is saying, what the teacher is saying, what the so-called pastor is saying. And Paul was afraid for the Corinthian church. He says, I'm afraid for you because the preacher guys are going to come in and you're going to put up with it. Well, you know what's happening? If that's you, you're putting up with it. Oh, but I like my pastor. He's telling me jokes and I laugh. I have the joy of the spirit. Listen, that's not the joy of the spirit. You're laughing because of a joke. And because of what is said, but also because of the joke that stands at the pulpit. You see, no power. The power of the spirit, the power of Jesus, instant healing from sex, instant healing from your alcohol, instant healing from the drugs, from whatever it is. So why don't we see that today? Precisely the point. Precisely the point. You see, remember Paul? You have 10,000 teachers, but one father. I wish I could say every single one of these doors is locked. You cannot enter any of these doors that, you know, of being lukewarm, of idolatry and apostasy and judgment and hell. I wish I could say, but I can't because the Bible doesn't teach that. You see, names can enter the book of life and names can be blotted out of the book of life. How does that happen? People walk through those doors, choose to walk through those doors. You see? That's what happens. And yet you have major denominations say, oh, that can happen. Well, did the Bible make a mistake? Is the, is the Bible wrong? When the Bible says names can go in the book of life and names can come out of the book of life, but then you say names can never come out of the book of life? It, who am I to believe, the Bible or the preacher guy? No, the preacher guy goes in the trash. He's a fool. But he's got his doctorate in theology. That's nice. Honorary doctorate. He's a fool. The Bible says names can go in the book of life and names can be blotted out of the book of life. You see, you need a new pastor. You need a new teacher. Qualified. Very rare in these last days. You know why? The revealing of the Antichrist, which is coming. The only ones who can put their finger on that guy. It's the remnant. The apostate, they're not they're gonna be on board. The ones who are in idolatry, no, they're gonna be on board. You see? The lukewarm, they might be on board. Depends on how far. If they're all you know walking through the door that leads to idolatry, then they're gonna be on board. But if they're lukewarm, you know, a couple steps in and you have a shepherd that says, Hey, get back in here. Closing the door again, you know, they're, they're going to be able to, you know, just like Brother Jude says, you know, save through the fire. Very important to understand. We're not playing games, not to suggest that if we were like 100 years ago, we could play games, but definitely even more so. It's not a time to play games. And that's what we see here in Judges 21. They're playing games with the Lord. In the beginning of chapter 21, it's like, wow, they're right with the Lord. And praise be to the Lord. Yes, praise be to the Lord. 
But in the course of the chapter, you start to see like, wow, they're playing games. You see? Wow, they're becoming lukewarm. You see? Look at this idea that they concoct. You know, you, you, you see the female, you like, you take. You see? False teachers, false prophets, false brethren, the hirelings, the hypocrites, and the wolves that the Bible teaches us about how to identify and to avoid. They are the ones that want these doors open. You see? They want these doors open. Sometimes they simply don't know. And if that's the case, they have no business at the pulpit. That's why Brother James says, let not many be teachers. But sometimes they know exactly what they're doing. Sometimes they know exactly what they're doing. Because they serve their father, the devil. They know exactly what they're doing. Those are called wolves. And those are going to be in mass in the last days. They know exactly what they're doing because they serve their father, the devil. You see? Yeah, go ahead. Take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. Yeah, grave soaking. Let's go grave soaking. Man, God is done with Israel. God's promises to Israel over, done with. Now God's promises are to you. They know exactly what they're doing because they serve their father, the devil. They are incapable of closing these doors because it is holy. We'll say it again. Lukewarmness opens the door to idolatry. Idolatry opens the door to apostasy. Apostasy opens the door to judgment and judgment opens the door to hell. Oh, but we have priests. Exactly. Look at them. Look at judges. Yeah, they got their priests. You see? And in the law, remember, it is written that God speaks to the people through the priesthood. Speaks to the high priest. The high priest comes out and speaks to the people. The very fact that those people are bypassed to where the Lord then goes to prophets. And the prophets say, thus saith the Lord. That reveals a lot about the priests. The very fact that the Lord bypasses the priesthood, the Kohanim, the Levitical priesthood, he skips them. And to Isaiah, he says, tell the people, Isaiah, their sacrifices, sacrificing, their offering, meaningless. You know how hardcore that is? Picture that where you have the religious establishment. They're doing the fulfilling, the everyday status quo, their sacrifices, their offering. And all of a sudden, Isaiah comes out. Thus saith the Lord, this is pointless. Thus saith the Lord, you're annoying to him. Thus saith the Lord, what you think is a sweet aroma is stench. Thus saith the Lord. You think the people are going to like Isaiah? They killed the prophets. 
Look at today. Oh, but we got our pastors. Look, he's got his degree. He's got his doctorate in theology, honorary doctorate. Got his master's with the seminary, went to Bible college, did this, did that. That's nice. Look at them. Look at them. The Lord has become forgotten. Exactly to the T, like we see in the book of Judges. The Lord has become forgotten. And the Lord still sends messengers today. The Lord sends messengers. And the purpose is the same as before, so that people can be right with the Lord. Instead, just like in Judges, the people that is doing what is right in their own eyes. You see? That's what's happening. But among a remnant, a people that choose to do right in the eyes of the Lord. And this is a sweet aroma unto the Lord. That, beloved saints, that's the remnant. Doing right in the eyes of the Lord. And it's a sweet aroma unto him. To the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful people of the way. A remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.